This is Kirby, and I want to let you know before the show starts that at the beginning of the listener question section, there is a minor spoiler. 37 minutes, 50 seconds in, just skip forward 10 seconds, you'll be good. Now on with the show. You're listening in Prime by Cortex, a show where we sit down to discuss the Cortex Prime mechanics and games. I'm here with my co-host JT Domino, as always, and today we're sitting down with the narrative designer for Tales of Exadia. How's it going, Dan? Good, and yeah, I am the narrative lead for Cortex RPG and Fandom Tabletop, and we are currently working on Tales of Zadia, uh, in addition to Legends of Grayskull. Yeah, uh, I think JT and I were curious uh, as to just your general, like, in with tabletop gaming in general, and also just how you wound up with fandom and working on Cortex. I would love to fill you in as well as anyone listening who's like, who, who is this? What the hell? Well, why is he here? <laughs> so my background is largely in writing and performing outside of tabletop, though I have been involved in tabletop gaming my whole life, pretty much. Uh, Just mostly as a player, I got into it in the late 80s, early 90s as a kid, and I spent a lot of the 90s playing White Wolf and, you know, TSR games. But um, just as a nerd, you know, I, I, I went to school for an acting degree and I wrote plays. I was a playwright for a while. I've gotten really into comedy and sketch comedy and improv at first, but for like the last 15 or so years, mostly stand up comedy. So I do a lot of stand-up comedy. I've been on TV and stuff. Right around 2013-14, after I'd moved to Los Angeles from Chicago, my friend Brian Posehn, who is a very uh, nerdy stand-up comedian, uh, asked me to take over one of his friend's spots on his Dungeons & Dragons podcast. So I started playing on there, and it's called Nerd Poker which is a reference to how nerds play D&D instead of poker. And we're, we've been around since, you know, before a lot of these D&D podcasts. So we're kind of old. But, uh, you know, we, we've been playing for a long time. And I've been playing on this podcast for a long time. And I took over as Dungeon Master eventually. So I've been their Dungeon Master for a few years. And it's a reasonably successful podcast. So I was the senior editor at Mad Magazine for a couple years. They, unfortunately, had to lay a bunch of folks off over uh, on the Warner Brothers end of things. So, like, this this publishing just got gutted for that whole company. And Adam Bradford over at D&D Beyond was like, oh, hey, you know, Dan, you've worked with us at live events. You've done all this D&D stuff. Would you want to be a writer for D&D Beyond? And I was all over that. And he was like, you know, we might have some bigger things for you down the lane. Uh, And he knew I had a background uh, in performing in writing long-form narrative stuff, you know, like play writing and stuff like that, and that I had written for TV shows. I'd been in TV writers' rooms, and that's sort of what I bring, you know. I I know you had Cam Banks on the show, and he does a lot of the mechanics-type stuff Mm -hmm. for Cortex, and he manages how to, how to, uh, how did he put it, wrap 
the cortex around the IP rather than the IP around the cortex. Yeah. It's more my job to find how a narrative inspired by the IP can work into the world and how to offer it up to players and narrators as a springboard into adventures and sort of come up with characters and plot devices and stuff like that. And uh, you recently released the uh, playtest for Tales of Exadia. That was mostly you, right? You know, I got to give full credit to Cam Banks and Amanda Valentine, who did tons of feedback rounds with me and tweaked some of the text. You know, Cam came up with all all the numbers for those pre-generated characters that you can see on the live stream right now. And he came up with their names. Uh, But I, I did come up with the backstories for all those characters and the value statements for those characters. And I wrote, like, I came up with a lot of these ideas while talking to Cam Banks, but I wrote, I scripted it all out. And it, the idea of a floating island uh, I came up with, and I came up with basic, I want to take credit for the whole thing, but you know, <laughs> I did give him a 45 page document before they started hacking into it. So I, mm-hmm. I, I will take credit for a lot of it. Nice. And for Tales of Zadia, for our listeners who maybe don't know what it is, is essentially the Dragon Prince, well, not essentially, it is the Dragon Prince IP that's currently three seasons in on Netflix. With how popular it's become, it's hard to tell just how many people are coming in for Cortex or just coming in for Tales of Exadia, right? Uh, But will listeners need to have seen all three seasons in order to enjoy Tales of Exadia? Or to put it another way, like how much lore and story can we expect to be broken out in the final product? Well, think of it this way. Tales of Zadia is inspired by and takes place in this world. So, like, if if it's like any tabletop role-playing game, if you know it's based on a pre-existing IP and you're just coming to it because of, like, the rule set, you just just sort of, like, you know, think, do you want to kind of, like, get the little primer that we give you in the book as, like, a lead-in and that's enough for you? Or, Or are you curious enough about a fantasy world on Netflix that you probably already have a login for. And, you know, you might have your parents login. I understand it's a complicated world out there, folks. You know, like, whatever you you want, really. We we are definitely going to take place in a... Uh, the most updated part of the chronology of the show but we're, we're taking care to make this operate largely independently from the show and if you guys watch the show if anyone listening watches the show and you've already looked at the public play test you'll probably notice these are playable characters that you can use and catalysts as we call them and narrator characters that aren't already in the show it's new canon that we presented to Wonderstorm and they approved. So like, you know, it's it's independent. You don't you don't actually like have a lot going on other than it's like in, on the same continent. I don't know why you wouldn't want to go watch it. <laughs> I feel like I've watched tons of <laughs> yeah. I mean like like they they're right there. Why 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 yeah. would you play the tabletop game and be like I'm not going to I don't want to catch up. There's not there's not there's not like yeah. uh there's not like huge spoilers but i i would tread carefully if it's important to you that you're caught up i would go i would go uh binge real quick i I, we the the third season's been out for a while so i don't know why you wouldn't have binged already i feel like i've seen tons of netflix shows on accident at this point i i don't even know (laughs) i don't even know how i watched bridgerton but i woke up one morning and was like oh i i know who all these characters are in love with you know so they get you with those five-minute trailers that they autoplay, and then next thing you know it, you're just watching the whole thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and Tales of Zadia, I mean, those are only nine episodes each. I think they were all 25, 30 minute episodes, so it was very bingeable. Uh, but the Dragon general, Prince, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dragon Prince, yeah. And I mean, in general, it's like it's still high fancy. It's a it's a different take on how high fancy works. But I think a lot of people are perhaps jumping the ship from D and D would probably feel right at home with Tales of Exadia. I, I I would like to think that uh, you know if you have any interest in fantasy, this would be really easy to to pick up. Yeah, and uh, just out of curiosity, I'm not sure. If uh, you mentioned it and I missed it or not, were you familiar with the IP before you were brought on to the project or like, had you watched the show? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's a really, that's, that's, you know, you were, you were talking about how you're not sure how many people are coming over this from Cortex fandom and versus Dragon Prince uh, fandom. And yeah, like it's so popular. The, the Dragon Prince show is, is huge especially with uh, young adults and teenagers. So that, that, that's, you know, been suggested to me many times, uh, just via algorithms, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. With regards to, you know, we, we have the successful Netflix TV show. Uh, how much are the show's creators actually involved in the design process? It sounds like they are approving this playtest adventure and maybe future adventures going forward as lore or... Yeah, is, is that too far off base? That pretty much sums it up. You know, I've gotten to Zoom meet with the creators and the writing staff, and they're all really cool folks. Um, you know, we run the ideas by them, make sure it doesn't interfere with any of the lore they've either uh, got sort of semi-revealed or completely hidden. And uh, yeah, they're really cool about it. They 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 want to make sure that what we put out isn't you know not just style wise but doesn't like leapfrog what they've got planned an official stance on it or not but do you know like is the stuff that you come up with is that considered canon within their canon as well then or is it just two totally separate things and you just don't want to step on their toes oh it's it's as far as i know it's canon you know i i, I am a, a, by no means like an officer of, <laughs> of, of it. So I got to assume there's all sorts of things that I should not speak with absolutes here. Uh, you know, for all I know, they are, are looking at the playtest right now and going, what, what did we let this guy write? <laughs> Who are these people? Well, what have we, what have we done? But they've seen it. You know what I mean? We've, we've definitely run everything by them and they've read everything and I, they reserve the absolute right to change their mind the same way, you know, Star Wars might take their expanded universe and want to hit a reboot button someday. I don't want to make any. Uh, I just want to be grateful that I get to work with these guys. But yeah, they've they've given it the stamp of approval for whatever that's worth, you know. All right, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Dream is is of course that they they are gonna love all this and they'll one day like I'll I'll see one of the characters I made up make a, a background appearance on the show. But I won't I won't I won't get my hopes up. I know what I'm here to do. I'm here to entertain uh, tabletop <laughs> gamers. You know what I mean? I'm here to I'm here to because like yeah because it is an interesting space right to have an intellectual property developed for tabletop gaming. I know I really like to make my own character, and that's what we're trying to really do. You know, we're trying to b build up this game to the point where it's really easy for you to b make your own character and feel like fully immersed with a less uh, on the rails adventure. Because we had to make this playtest pretty, like, okay, here's a scenario we want you to try it. Here's a scenario we want you to try it. But the the the, uh, the hope is as we release future stories, and we're going to uh, for the Dragon Prince and Tales of Zadia 
that they will be a little more open world and you'll feel like you'll have even more agency and things like making your own character and having a broader palette to play with are definitely coming. Yeah, and there's a lot of potential here because, I mean, the Dragon Prince TV show is greenlit for, I think, seven seasons total. And that's a, that's a lot of room between here and now to just expand on, like, the expanded universe, which I th apparently is getting expressed here in the tabletop RPG, but, you know, it's also hitting comics and all these other mediums. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask on behalf of a couple of people who knew that I was doing this interview, but we have pregens that are presented in the uh, playtest material. These are unique playgens, if I'm not mistaken, and we also get to see Rayla. Are we expecting other characters from the TV show to get the pregen treatment? Perhaps a, a certain glow toad or... <laughs> wow yeah i you know i would defer to cam on exactly what the mechanics of a playable glow toad would be i think you got to get some pretty <laughs> uh specific rules for having like a playable character that's the size of a loaf of bread and expresses itself <laughs> through colors rather than language but um you know we're gonna do our best to get as much from the show into the playable materials as we can i can't make any promises because we're still plotting out the, the the book itself which of course is already available for pre-order but we're really trying to like make it as cool and as 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 dense as possible without making it hard <laughs> to digest and we really like do mm. want to make it like a springboard into adventure too so you know we're still finding the balance of like just how much is going to be stuff directly from the show that you can bring to your table and how much of it is going to be more stuff that we're trying to create from scratch that is approved by Wonderstorm and and in the the sort of canonical world but hasn't been used on the show yet that way you feel like maybe you've got more room to play with so i'm not sure you know uh we're still feeling out just how much you know up through the playtest as much as anything how much people are looking forward to being the the exact numerical value character from the show versus making their own right right and we know that uh you're not really like the number one guy on the mechanic side you're more on the story side obviously as the narrative lead exactly and you know you know like i i, I get to i get to do a lot of the you know uh, bringing in of new stuff i also get to do a lot of the writing of like have it, having watched all three seasons a bunch of times now <laughs> i've rewatched some episodes like seven or eight times i feel like uh, I, I get to have a lot of fun also just sort of putting the world into the book uh and and kind of describing the history of this show uh the the world in the show i get to i get to sort of like bring the bring the world of the show into the book so you don't feel like you necessarily have to remember every single episode to sit down and play I, I as much of that I get to do there is there is Cam, uh, Cam gets to make all decisions. There's there's other folks who get to decide what goes in. Amanda Valentine again, she's the editor and uh, she she makes a lot of the tough calls about what goes what goes in the book and what doesn't. So I can't confirm or deny any content, but we do have this book coming out that is going to you know have playable adventure material in it. It's going to have. Um, you know, more pre-generated characters in it that you can play as. It'll give you a guide how to make your own character. 
and it'll hopefully wrap it all in a nice cortexy bow that you feel like, okay, like I'm ready to, to do whatever, whatever my play style is, uh, I can jump into Tales of Sadia. I guess um, what I would ask then is just like, so do you think that players are going to be satisfied and feel like their characters really do sort of fit into this Zadia setting based on what you've seen so far? You know, my, my experience as a, a nerd has, has been that, like, we've all got very passionate feelings about the things we love. And we've all got very active imaginations, either with our mind's eye or in actual, you know, fan art we produce, fan fiction that we write. Uh, even just little sketches and social media adventures can really give people a sense of ownership. And I like to think that what we're really doing is just providing the most detailed uh, toolbox that we can to again springboard you know I, I i did improv a lot back in the day back when i was like 18 to 25 or whatever i was on an improv team and a couple of improv teams i was coaching improv i did it all the time and 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 i'm fascinated with the idea and storytelling especially tabletop storytelling of a springboard where you know you can define something very intricately but in the end improv comes off of it so we're i'm going to really try to do my best to give everyone like a really cool place to jump into and I, I can only hope that people will think it's authentic because we're giving them this authentic toolkit and we're showing them, say, a character like Rayla and how they fit into that toolkit. So you could go, okay, I'll compare my creation and I'll do my best to create something. I really hope that does feel good for people and it really does make them excited. And what's nice about Cortex is it really is this very dynamic, malleable system. So I, I, I'm really hoping people will find a way to make this universe their own. And, and you know, that's, it, it, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they're going to take this game into places that my imagination, even at its best, which I'm very proud of, uh, uh, but I should, I should eat some humble pie and say people are going to come up with some amazing stuff. And I see no reason not to take ownership and find legitimacy in it. Yeah, I think fans are already enjoying like what's already laid out in the Playtest Adventure. The Playtest Adventure by itself, you know, Player agency aside, has I, I think three paths like laid out right. Um, do you find that your improv experience uh, factors into how you're writing these pre-made adventures, or a little bit? I mean, there's definitely um this coincidental maybe improv element in there. Where if you've ever studied long form improv, there's this old school long form called the Herald, where you've got three kind of interweaving. Uh, plots where you see these two-person mm. scenes, and um, that's—I mean—a coincidence. I—I I guess I thought I—I've—I've I've thought of that at some point in my writing career. But these particular threads are more designed. So if you've got a party of say like five people or just one person, you've got options. And the playtest is sort of got these three threads, but you could just see them as also just three decisions that you can start getting more cemented on in the future tales i'm hoping to not limit it that much there's definitely going to be an element of like oh here's some, here's a character i trust a little more than another here's a geographical direction that i need to head in and 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 things along that uh nature but i don't know yet other than that i don't i don't know if improv informs the writing that much except maybe for dialogue i think improv helps a lot with dialogue because mm -hmm. you're, you're used to just how people will talk to each other off the top of their head well, you know, uh, avoiding spoilers, but I know that sort of like towards the end of the playtest, you do give a bunch of different suggestions about different ways that 
things could turn out that you can't really touch on because of sort of the uh, length of the document and just what you can do. But you do sort of give some interesting uh, examples of I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but uh, sort of like pitches or um, prompts, I guess prompts that people can use to sort of change the story in the ways they want to. So I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, I mean, I don't know if that was really a result of uh, improv, oh, but uh, I thought that, that was uh, nice to have these different options and sort of just lightly develop things for people to springboard off of, like you've been saying. Well, I think one thing improv really does kind of give you a sense of is when you're collaborating with other people, it's it's you got to give them gifts to build off of. Uh, you have to present them with new creations. You know, I, I really do trust people are going to be able to spin the end of this story into some fun things. It would be really cool, and we're still feeling it out. Obviously, we're still in playtest, and we're still absorbing new information. But really cool if we could continue sort of a second beat off of the Lost Oasis playtest sort of arc. But uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. You know, we'll, we'll see. There, there could be all kinds of new ideas that come in. We could have just some random conversation that will inspire something different. And, uh, you know, we've, we definitely know what we're going to put, for the most part, in the Tales of Zadia book that's uh, coming out. But we, uh, we might have room to put out all, all kinds of adventures. We'll see. Yeah. And this is maybe way too early to ask, but I'm going to ask anyways. Uh, but for these tales, are we looking at a model where it's sort of like D&D modules where you just kind of drop it in or uh, say like uh, Pezo's like adventure pass for Pathfinder where it's this long form like six books uh, adventure or anything in between or? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely too early to say. I, 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 you know, I really like how Cortex sort of uh, doesn't have something as tightly bound as a D&D module, you know. The structure of the tales is such that it's really easy and fun to write. I'm hoping other people will come up with their own. And um, when it comes to how we're going to release multiple tales, a lot of that depends on just the the state of the world. You know what I mean? The publishing industry has definitely been shaped by the last year. I, I myself have been quarantining pretty hard. And uh, so have a lot of people who work in, you know, printing presses. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really good friends with some folks who own a tabletop gaming store and play space in Burbank, California. And it's interesting to see how people are playing it all. So how they'll be released will often be, I think, dictated by can people even go to conventions? Can people sit down at a table with, with their friends? Or will it all be digital? It's, it's, that kind of thing might even come first. Whereas I think a lot of that used to be like, like oh, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with the idea and the world will just work for us. We'll, we'll, be, able to, we'll be able to write to our hearts. We'll be able to <laughs> yeah. write to our hearts content and we'll just find a thousand outlets for it. But now it's kind of like, well, we really want to make sure people can, you know, accessibility is really important to us. And we really want to make sure that right. we can put out whatever content we have in a way that as many people can enjoy as possible. Yeah, that sounds good. And, um, you know, Dan, I, if it's okay with you, I was uh, thinking that since we have the uh, narrative lead for Tales of Exadia, it would be good to sort of maybe dive a little bit deeper into uh, the uh, storytelling process that you go through on the project. Sure. So I was just curious, like, for example, when you were first developing 
this idea for the playtest. Did you get to pitch the story, or was there something that you were asked to work off of? Or how, how much of that was in your control, and how much of it was you know, you being asked to do something? I was very lucky. I, I got to totally pitch... You know, I got to lean on my background in TV and publishing and just sort of pitch them story arcs. I got to pitch some characters. And, you know, back, this is something I've loved since college and when I was studying like dramaturgy and playwriting. But, like, I love folklore and character archetypes. And that kind of knowledge really has gone a long way in sort of prepping these dynamic stories where characters that we call catalysts come in and they have agency and they change based on your choices in the game. So this kind of storytelling benefits a lot from being able to see not just like a beginning, middle and end to a story, but like the players in the story and the stakes so like I I've mostly was pitching stuff like geographical locations, stakes, and characters. And those characters had to have agency. I, I came up with a whole list that I showed to Cam of, you know, character motivations. Uh, I, I looked at what, what I thought were sort of archetypal catalysts in folklore and um, myths and things like that and kind of made a list of all the different kinds of agencies there were and I, I, I pitched characters based off of where they fit into that list of sort of archetypal characters and you know I, 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 I like where everything ended up I, I what was really fun about Lost Oasis is how big it got I definitely want to make sure I don't overwhelm characters but what, what I really enjoyed was you know this has got to be the biggest, most in-depth, well-illustrated playtest I've ever seen in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I've, I've played a fair bit of tabletop role-playing, and I'm used to playtests being these very small black-and-white documents with, like, no original art on them. <laughs> and um, this, thing looks like a, this thing looks like a book. This thing, this thing it's... Uh, some of the characters I came up with, we got some really beautiful art drawn... Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's long and in a good way. I, I, there's not just scenes for you to try out and a couple of mechanics to roll around. There's a complete story. And like you said, I included what can come next. Even I tried to give people a hint of how, like, if you like this play test, just keep playing. Don't wait for us. Just like, go ahead and take your characters. And, and, and that means a lot to me. I really, I really love the show and I, I know what it's like to love an intellectual property and to, take agency and and feel like oh like i i i want to be a kid again dressed up as a character from this property and just run around in a sandbox and have fun and it's our job to stick as much as we can to this ip but i i really like how this play test is beefy so hopefully people will get a lot out of it yeah i think that plays well to just Cortex in general because, you know, Cortex is very comfortable with splitting the party, which you don't necessarily get with some of the more traditional gaming. And I think that is what factors into why we have such such lean playtest materials for other games or just lean adventures because, you know, it almost always assumes that the party's going to hang out together. Whereas with Cortex or with Tales of Exadia, you know, in my own playtest, we split off in the three different groups. So 
it's it's very easy to just kind of spin off and having that extra material there having it be so beefy was a huge benefit cool good you know what, what i like about it is uh it's entertaining to watch your friends sort of be horrified by things or you know entertaining to watch your friends be shocked or surprised or have to make difficult decisions and i really feel like this is this is a very interactive kind of tabletop and so cortex is really by asking you to have these scenes it's entertaining when you're not in a scene to just sort of look around and be like oh yeah everybody is in a weird spot right now and as opposed to you know there's there's a lot of ways you can feel like splitting the party is boring or makes the 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 difficulties impossible to achieve because you you need a certain amount of brute force to overcome something but that's why i really tried to come at this not like there is a set numerical way to win it's really much more about the stakes like what what is your 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 character and their choices and how they interpret the stakes is what's really important it's not it's not about you know achieving something through absolute mathematical elitism or something well i was actually really impressed though because uh the way that the adventure is structured you get to see a whole lot of different types of scenes and you know you call out some of the different ones that are in cortex like bridge scenes or things like that but then but also just like a bunch of different types of challenges you know physical social what have you um so you really get to sort of see a wide range of what cortex can do and i gotta give cam and amanda credit like they really they really made sure like i you know i tried to come at it uh with it i I read some of their other cortex books before trying uh my narrative uh take on this play test but they were good at making sure we had variety in there okay yeah that's actually what i was going to ask was um did you sort of construct scenes with certain types of mechanical challenges in mind or did it just happen to work out it's so it's so mechanic uh, oriented. Your question, I'd really do want to make sure I give full credit to Amanda Valentine and Cam Banks, who, you know, they looked at my story and 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 they looked at my proposed scenes, and they're like, okay, well, why don't you do another pass and make sure every scene is based off of some sort of momentous choice and some sort of obstacle to overcome, stuff like that. So these these roles, these contests, these challenges, these tests are all like the pivotal part of the scene. So, so yeah, I got to give full credit to them for the mechanics part of it. You know what I like here is, you know, with this emphasis on characters and with the release of the playtest, something that we don't get in the Cortex Prime handbook are catalysts. Now, that's a word we've been throwing around a couple times in this interview, but for listeners who don't know, catalysts are the, like, important NPCs that are specifically not static, right? They're supposed to be dynamic and changing as you go through the adventure, right? Yeah, and, I, and I'll give Cam again. Cam gets credit for the mechanical part of this, which is they get assigned a die value, like uh, say say like a D4 or a D6, and then they can get stepped up into a more multi-sided die or a lesser-sided die, depending on how the story mm. has progressed with that catalyst. I sort of came to Cam and I pitched this idea and, and you know, he was looking, he was like, what are we going to do about big bads in these? What are we going to do about villains and bosses and stuff? And my idea with Catalysts was uh, I really like video games and tabletop games, which it's harder to find this, 
uh, and tabletop, but I, I, I was like, let's do it. Let's be the ones who do my ideal, you know, where instead of having a big batter, like a big boss, everybody's got a stake and it's really like a bunch of mini bosses just sort of sprinkled around and you got to go, oh, here's, you know, my choice. And then based off of your choice, the mini bosses might kind of like you and be like, oh, you're, I'm powerful, but I'm a, I want to throw my hat in with you and, 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 and lend my power to your group. Whereas someone else will look at your choice and maybe you wanted them to like you, but because of your choice, they're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to amass my power against you. You're, you're, you're kind of a jerk. What, what do you, get out of my way. Yeah. I came in here with agency and you, the player, made this choice that totally goes against. So, so it's never absolutely determined who's a good guy and who's a bad guy, you know? And it really moves you away from that idea of math being the king, that, that you can go in here with an idea that, oh, I know, I know the, the big bad is Feathershawl, so I'm going to build a character that's really good at defeating Feathershawl. Well, if you play the play test with one group of friends, Feathershawl might be BFFs with you. It might start off being a little brusque yeah. and confrontational, but by the end, you'll be like, I get, I get Feathershaw. They are smart, <laughs> resourceful. <laughs> but, but then you might go play with a second group yeah. of friends, and your friends are immediately like, Feathershaw sucks. Feathershaw's selfish and a creep. And, and we got to get, we got to, should we kill Feather? We, we, we need to at least tie up Feathershaw. Let's at least beat up Feathershaw and tie Feathershaw to a lamppost. I want to be able to say, like, that's if you do that, that was not my intention. I want to be able to say, all I did was give the character agency and a backstory, make them so, so three dimensional that you feel like that was meaningful, your choice. Uh, and 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 I think that there's this this mm. idea in tabletop that like, if you boil everything down to math, it solves everything. And um, you know, I think. That can be true, but we 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 still have to find new ways to do it, and I'm I'm pretty happy with how catalysts turned out math wise as well as storytelling wise, because the ones we put in Lost Oasis are fun, and there's going to be more coming. Yeah, well, I definitely think you succeeded in terms of you know avoiding things being entirely black and white, and even uh, the you know the characters with their different motivations and sort of with the player agency in there also sort of influences you know, the various situations that they're getting into. And, you know, there might be players who want to try to help people evacuate and escape. And then other people who are really concerned about getting an artifact or another one that's interested in talking to the guy who basically runs the town and things like that. And, and those, the story is obviously going to be shaped off of the choices that those players make. And I think that the fact that they can turn out in so many different ways is definitely due to the dynamic way that the characters were designed and the story was crafted so i think you did a really good job with that thanks i i know i saw some uh i don't want to do too many spoilers but i i saw on discord there were there was somebody who had like an absolute nightmare ending to their play test run they did with their friends and i thought that was hilarious because you know like i think there's I, I was the kind of guy who i would play star wars knights of the old republic and it was so hard to be evil like i would i would be good I would be make all. The, I would be like, please tell me I made all the best choices. I I need to end with the most positive, light sided choice, 
And then I would be like, well, I want to play it again. It was such a fun game. I want to play. I want to be evil, but I could never get very far as evil. I would feel so bummed out <laughs> that uh, that uh, I I could never be the 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 reason for even like make believe pixelated suffering. I think it's funny that some people have already played this and been like, oh, woo, we're setting this all on fire. But I I know most people won't, and I hope I gave people enough fun puzzles to kind of get past little social puzzles to work out with their narrator of how they're going to get this artifact out of an Ian. This is a good transition to our first listener question. It's from Davriel uh, from Discord. And I'm going to actually reword it because it's uh, their original question is a little bit of a spoiler oh. for those who haven't seen the TV show. But yeah, they wanted to know how, in general, how powers are going to be um, now we've we've already seen this in the playtest. You know we you know you're you're going to take uh, mage like or magic like distinctions and assets and stuff. Um, but you were talking about earlier how there like a, there is an emphasis on character archetypes, and you know Cortex Prime uses archetypes as an option for creating characters. Is that what we're looking at here? Are we going to have like a laundry list of archetypes to act as a springboard? Yeah, you know, I can't promise how it's going to look exactly in the book. Um, you know, I, I think I think we want to give you guys a really clear idea of, of, of how something works in the show is going to work in the game. And in the show, specifically we're talking about powers, you mean like magic. There's the primal magics, and then there's dark magic. And so we want to make sure we're really clear, like, it, like it, there's consequences to dark magic. Being a dark mage is, is something only humans have the stomach for and really can cast because they're not born with magic. But there's all this history behind it, right? And Callum on the TV show mm-hmm. has, is like one of the first humans in centuries to be able to harness primal man- magic for himself. And so we want to make sure it's clear, like, this is how it could happen, but we're not going to make it so you can just jump in and do whatever powers you want just because you thought of the powers without at least feeling like you and your narrator have a common language to discuss how it would be possible. So, you know, it should, it, I think it would only make sense if, uh, you know, you, if you wanted to have powers, you and your narrator worked out exactly how it was going to go because it's power right like it's meaningful world shaping stuff so you know going back to what i was saying earlier about your imagination nobody wants to stifle anybody's imagination there's going to be all kinds of stuff people come up with that we don't include in the book or i would be like well if you can make it work at your table why not just have fun with it and not worry about what i think you know (laughs) but uh at the same time at the same time i think you i think we can all agree it's not necessarily fun for the whole table if you come in here and go, well, I've got a, got a spell that allows the sun to shrink to the size of a fist, and it will absorb and melt anything it touches, and it obeys my command, and it's called the sun hand. And it's like... Oh, so you were in my playtest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, like, I think, I think, um, you know, you, you, there's a lot, there's going to make, we're going to make sure we make it really clear, like, however your character, be they elf or human, uh, wants to have powers, there's, there's, there's a way to make it work in the world of the game. That's fun. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, I think we give a pretty good example with Babukar 
the the Sunfire Mage in the playtest. So I, I think if you're curious about that, look at how they work and keep an eye out. We're definitely, as soon as we can, going to show more. It, we're, we're still developing it. We're seeing how it looks in the playtest. We haven't made up mm-hmm. our minds. We want it to be good. So we're going we're gonna to do our best to be open to feedback and make it as cool as possible. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what I would keep an eye on. Keep an eye on old Babakar, who, of course, if you're watching, <laughs> our, uh, our live stream is run by Cam Banks himself. So if you want to you see the guy, the mastermind behind Cortex, running a sun mage... You want that? That's the that's the best window into power you get. It's the 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 show is Roll and Keep, which you're probably familiar with, but it's uh, it's Thursdays on the Fandom Tabletop Twitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should probably just uh, quickly just make a statement that obviously we've established that you know you're not the person who's in charge of the mechanics, and you're also really you, you're not really supposed to give any uh, spoilers or really comment on like what the game is gonna be like, you know, until it's out or more developed right so we will probably end up skipping questions that specifically get into those sorts of areas i want to make sure people know like i i'm as excited as you are to see how this stuff turns out but we want to take the playtest seriously and we want this to be good and we we want to we want to you know put out the best book possible so it, it means we got to be a little coy well, actually, I think we only have time for one more question, and this does talk about mechanics, but I think you can maybe speak from it from, at the very least, uh, being a potential GM or player yourself, uh, but Caleb from Discord as well wanted to know, what was the coolest mechanic that emerged in attempting to stay true to the source materials? I really like how players get to the island. You know, that's something I got to have a really fun conversation with Wonderstorm about. But I really like how Feathershawl uses their cloak to harness moon magic and sort of like using uh, a a moonbeam light, get the party up into the city. Uh, And, you know, that, of course, is is also (laughs) a part of the playtest is like, yeah, you automatically agree to get on this magic moonbeam with feather shawl and that sounds pretty risky to do that mm-hmm. with uh, this catalyst but um you know i'm glad we got to make it as cool as we could and tie it to some magic from the show so at least players feel like well you know i am being forced into this sort of uh adventure in a bottle but at least it's through what feels like some authentic show magic yeah and i have to wonder how many uh people are now going to want their own like moon cloak to be able to float off and do things now <laughs> now that they've seen that well this was a catalyst who had the cloak and not a player so perhaps if uh, you know a player can find a way uh through multiple tales to achieve a connection with a moon artifact such as feathershaw's cloak then after many play sessions they will have earned such a powerful artifact but until that time until that time who knows uh, yeah, I was just curious, um, you know, especially since you're the narrative lead, do you have any advice in terms of playing Tales of Exadia, both from, you know, just like a uh, storytelling side or just with your experiences GMing or playing with it, how you would approach it or what you think is the best way to go about, you know, getting into the game? Uh, well, if you're a narrator, uh, as we call it for Tales of Zadia, have an open mind. You know, there is that improv idea of yes and where you, you, you have a scene partner ask if they, if, if they want to do something, you, you, you make it real and then you add to it. 
there's, I think, a lot here. And if you read the whole thing through, so, so you feel like you've got the complete toolkit, you kind of know where the threads are going, which is really the, the, the most important part. If you know where the threads are headed, you know uh, when the big plot devices are chronologi chronologically supposed to happen. What if I could say that word? It would sound like chronologically. But, um, you know, if you know that what's going to be open to them going way off the rails, this is a play test. And I think if you know how the tests, contests and challenges are supposed to work, if you can have that confidence, uh, let them uh, make weird choices and present them with tests, contests and challenges that are not in the play test that you made up yourself. Why not? You know, as long as you get it and we really try to walk you through it then I would try to give yourself that gift of like letting your particular table do crazy things. If they want to try to make like a scarecrow to scare off some kind of monster that I don't want to spoil, like, like out of, you know, found objects, just because that's not in the playtest doesn't mean you can't go for it. So, you know, I, I, I would just, I would just keep an open mind, listen to your players don't treat this like what you, you, you might have treated previous tabletop pre-made adventures. Let this be a toolkit and a living world at your table and enjoy when things go a little off the rails. But, I mean, definitely let us know in the Discord how, how it happened in the spoiler channel because uh, we'd love to hear that. Words of wisdom to definitely uh, a cherries for, I think, any adventure really. But, yeah, as we uh, bring this to a close, Dan... Where can listeners find you? I do stand-up comedy on Twitch every Friday night, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I, I used to tour the country and sometimes Canada, and I can't do that anymore. Especially I'm a cancer survivor, so I'm not taking any risks with my, with my body and such. I, I would love if people want to check me out there. You can check me out on uh, Twitter also where I get very angry and political uh, forgive me if my tastes don't abide by yours, but I love all of you, and I mean you no harm. I'm just a comedian with a loud mouth. Definitely keep an eye on talesofzadia.com. Um, sign up for the email list. You know, I'm, they've been uh, nice enough to let me do a couple of behind-the-scenes emails on that email list. So if, if you're already getting those emails, you're probably seeing them talking about some of the pre-made characters and stuff like that. So, you know, if you've enjoyed hearing me blab about this stuff, you'll get to see me talk about all kinds of stuff like my love of medieval weapons and all that in those emails. And I, I would also be uh, remiss to not mention my Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You're all welcome to check out Nerd Poker if you want to hear me Dungeon Master. Nice. And we'll be sure to put um, links to your social media in the uh, show notes for listeners who want to go check all that out. JT, where can listeners find us? Yeah, so uh, one of the best ways to get us is through email, which is pbcpodcast at d20radio.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook group for those who like to engage on that platform. Kirby and I are also on the official Cortex Discord server, and uh, so is Dan, if I'm not mistaken. He's lurking around there somewhere. Yep. Most of the time. Other than that, uh, we're on Twitter at uh, Primed by Cortex. And oh, yes. And we also have the D20 Radio server, the Discord server as well, uh, where you can find our own little uh, Primed by Cortex podcast channel. If you want to get us any questions or want to tell us how awesome it was having Dan on the show and how you want him back, you know, feel free to drop us a line, you know. Tell, tell him you want, to, you want him to come back and uh, we'll make it happen. 
Until next time, folks. Later. Later.